0: The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We're dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Scrum.org. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and in this episode, you get to hear from Renee Craven. She is going to be one of the new hosts for the Women in Agile podcast, and we're excited to have her joining the team. In my conversation with her, we explore multiple dimensions of authenticity, what it means to find your own authenticity, and how authenticity is important in building agile organizations. Before you listen to the episode, here's just a touch more about Renee. She's a certified coach and scrum professional with over 12 years of experience coaching organizations and their teams through their transformation to an agile mindset. She enjoys building delivery teams that can self-organize to achieve commitments and hold themselves accountable for all outcomes. Renee balances her coaching work with her own Pilates studio in Brisbane, Australia. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Hello, Renee. Hi, Leslie. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's um, quite late at night here in Brisbane in Australia. I know it's quite early yes. for you in the morning. Yes, um, it is. It is. We'll see how we go. <laughs>
0: Yes, I think it'll be, uh, our topic today is going to be authenticity. So we will get to work with the authenticity of our energy and the way our brains are functioning. So maybe we'll get a little case study and like (laughs) showing up in whatever's present for you today. Yep, sounds good. I love that. Well, I I really appreciate you making time to to join me for this conversation just to help our guests get to know our guests, our listeners. You're our guest today. (laughs) See, there goes our brain, not serving us quite well so far. Um, But to help them get to know you a little bit better, share your story about uh, your journey to agility and finding agile and kind of what got you to where you are today.
1: Um... I discovered, um, well, I was thrown into, let's say that, um, agile in 2010. Um, I was, I, I, I did IT at uni. I came out as a software developer, um, and I, you know, that was my grad job as being a software developer in a team. And I did that for, a, you know, a number of years. And then, in 2010, I was, the organisation I was working for decided that. Um, they were going to go agile and my boss at the time said to me, um, cause at that time I was actually in the BA team being, I tried my, tried my stuff at, uh, tried my, had a go at being a BA. Um, and he said to me, I want you to be the agile BA in that, in the pilot team. I'm like, oh, what is that? I don't, I've no idea <laughs> what that is. So it was a little bit of a steep learning curve, um, working in that pilot team, we sort of became the um, model team, I guess, for the rest of the organisation. When we scaled, um, we learned a lot from that team. Um, They had a lot of freedom. We had a lot of freedom as well, which was – I've never seen that again, actually, when I think about it, and it helped us immensely when we were learning and and figuring out what Agile meant for that particular organisation. Anyway, that was a sidebar. Um,
0: I was going to say, and it also may have set a fault expectation of freedom because we know not in reality, not all agile teams have that privilege. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, And then I ended up becoming the scrum master of that team. The scrum master um, departed the organization and then they just uh, nominated me to be scrum master. And again, I didn't really know what that was apart from observing the other person who had been doing the scrum master role. Um, So again, another steep learning curve, but I did find that that servant leadership kind of um, mindset of a scrum master uh, fit quite well with how I am, how how I behave and the things that I value and how I like teams to work together and things like that. So Um, Yeah, it was 2010. And then I um, moved into consulting um, in 2014 and that helped me to uh, experience different organisations, different industries, um, you know, just broaden my knowledge uh, in all things, how organisations work, but also how they were using uh, Agile and how they were trying to use Agile. Um, And that's really when I started to branch out into coaching. Um, And uh, yeah, so today, fast forward, what, 11, 12 years, I'm uh, coaching organizations um, when it comes to agility, um, both the team level and the leadership level as well. Um, I run quite a few, you know, training courses. I found a love of training, teaching as well. Um, so there's coaching there's the, there. Sorry. I would say for, for me,
0: it's the energy of seeing the light bulb come on for a learner in the classroom. That's like it, the adrenaline rush and like the joy I get from that yeah. and you're I, I see nodding like, yeah. is it, that's the same Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's coaching and then there's teaching and then, uh, 20, Yes, 2020, (laughs) I started my um, Pilates instructor course. Um, So today I coach, I train and I instruct people in Pilates. So I have a studio uh, here at home and I have private clients and I have, um, you know, group classes and online classes and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's sort of, I find Pilates is, it blends the two quite nicely for me from a coaching and a teaching oh, perspective.
0: I enjoy Pilates and I'm fine. Like there's another episode in here about like, what is transferable? Cause I'm curious in a whole new way to think about that <laughs> now. And I'm not going to let that hijack us in this conversation, <laughs> So wait, you've had, you, you started in it straight from university, mm-hmm. um, and then have had this career that sort of grown in you know, a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you experienced as a woman going through this, especially studying it, um, in college and how have you seen that dynamic of women in technology and then really the role of women in our global agile community shifting over the
1: years? Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only girl in my class um, for my degree when I was going through that. Um, So I think from that I was already um, used to having men around uh, and being the only Mm -hmm. female. So I think that was good training ground for when I went into the workplace because uh, there were females definitely in the workplace but definitely male dominated um I have yeah I've got um sorry my brain's like ticking here I'm thinking which stories do I want to tell um that's a fun problem to have yeah (laughs) yes yes. I've always I've never really let the whole um being the only girl in the room's hold me back or stop me from doing things. Um sometimes it definitely gets you down. I wouldn't I don't want to pretend that I've I'm you know I've got this armor that nothing um can dent it, but it's definitely um you know I've nev- I think it's just that practice from uni and growing up with a brother as well. I think it's probably prepped me for <laughs> working in a male dominated field um when it came comes to agile i there's you know the organizations that i've been that I've helped over the years there's definitely uh a bit more of a balance these days when it comes to the female male um balance but um i'd have to say a lot of the it's the agile industry is still and this is in australia it's still quite male dominated there's there's it's still very male he- heavy um and yeah i don't really i don't really know why that is it's a place to get curious because mm. i know there's quite
0: a number of you know, very active women in agile you know local groups down there and so the buzz is happening but you know, shifting that in the in the workplaces can also be a, a long a long tail effect.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, if you take if I think about it, my the Women in Agile group we've got running here in Brisbane, which you know we kicked off in twenty sixteen, I think um, it it's been a hard slog. It's definitely been a hard mm. slog to try and keep um, the the women engaged and trying to there's people that are and trying to get the same people coming back all the time as well we've always got new ladies coming along to hear about this agile thing or the topic that we're talking about but um it's really it has been difficult to get those people who are I guess you could class as the experts in Brisbane or experts Mm -hmm. in in Australia along to those events and I don't Again, I don't really know why that is, and it it is a little bit disappointing because it's a, a a beautiful opportunity to share your knowledge, share your wisdom, and to help those who are curious to want they want to be in this field. They're the ones coming up the the ranks, I guess you could think of it yeah. like that um and that's one of the big reasons why i I continue to facilitate that group is to just to feed that that hunger for knowledge Mm -hmm. about what this agile thing is and I want to be one of the I want to be like you when I grow up how do I get there what do I need to do um so yeah it's a it's a really hard slog and um I don't know if that's just an Australian thing or uh it could be COVID related as well Um, Yeah, well, there's the the
0: fatigue, hmm. especially of, you know, what I hear talking to most local leaders is that the benefit of the virtual work that was forced upon us is that, you know, we in some ways became one global community. So it's like, it's not like, oh, I'm only going to the local meetup that's, you know, 20 minutes across town, but like I can attend the one if I want to wake up at a strange hour that's happening in Mm. sydney Mm. or taiwan or paris or whatever and so that promiscuity amongst groups was an influx of energy but you know i think we're all you know very much in a virtual meeting fatigue Mm. and if you've been on zoom all day the last thing you want to do is necessarily dial into another one so i do and then you do what am i ready to go to you know local user groups in person. Am I not like that reality yeah. is, yep. you know, a thing. So I, I definitely think that that can be part of what's going on. Mm. And then I think here, you know, we've all read the articles around the impact of the global pandemic on women in the workforce because his childcare was unstably available at best, you know, daycares and schools closing and shutting, you know, who's at home with the kids. Um, and then that ability to reenter the workforce, it's just been like a whole, a whole nother hit. Mm. There, there is something in what you're talking about though, Renee, that I want to pull on in relation to the conversation on authenticity mm-hmm. um, and really how you, use your authenticity for a power of leadership, right? Like power in a bad way, but power in a servant leader sort of way is as a woman who was growing up most with mostly men around, I'm guessing there was was a lack of women that could be leaders that are role models and mentors. And and I'm asking this because I've talked to it with other guests. Mm. Did you find yourself emulating more, you know, testosterone based, leadership qualities and how you saw even the men that you admired as leaders mimicking them or did, were you able to sort of find your own authentic leadership from the beginning what was that journey like for you
1: wow that's a really really interesting question um Like growing up, I still had, I was always surrounded by by my girlfriends um, and I'm still to this day best friends with quite a number of them, see them regularly. Um, And some of them have turned into leaders in their own fields. Um, And it's interesting when I think about my group of friends, we are all pretty tough females um and I think some of that comes up comes from where we grew up so we I Mm. I grew up in um, central Queensland and not not a city just a just a town and well people in Gladstone will probably say it's a city because it has a McDonald's but um (laughs) I think it's actually got a Hungry Jacks now that I've since I left as well but um you know there was it, it's it's not a it's not it's not the city so there's a lot of um, working class kind of families uh, in a lot of industries up there so you know we there weren't a lot of uh, there were no private schools things like that it was just all public kind of schooling and I think that made us a little bit tougher because um, we had to have that thick skin when it came to um surviving (laughs) surviving at school um surviving for me we live 20 minutes out of town which is a long way if you live in Gladstone um and I used to have to catch the bus to school and it was the most traumatic thing every single day for me because you know there'd be kids on the bus that would light your hair on fire with their lighters and stuff like that so it was always am I gonna Mm. have my hair by the time I get to school and it's just stuff like that so I think that that growing up made me quite tough um and made us all have quite a tough skin and definitely that has helped us have that tough skin working in the in the leadership positions that we're in today as well um I think my I also had my my mum like she was pretty tough in her um like she was similar to what you were saying before about women and the kids in daycare and stuff like that mum of that generation had myself and my brother and then, um, didn't work until he went to school. So she had a long chunk of time away from work and she started, um, as a bank teller when she went back to work after my brother went back to sc- went to school. And, um, she worked her way, way up, right, right up to a, you know, business banking manager, um, in the, in the city. And, um, you know, same sort of thing. She, she had a when I think about it for just your question triggered it um when I think about it there's there's a toughness that she had um and there's a toughness of what my girlfriends still we all still have from from growing up where we grew up um and yeah so I think there's definitely that and then Yes, I've, uh, I'm just trying to think of some leaders or managers that I've worked for in the, in my career who male leaders who I've I think I've you know have I picked up stuff from them is that is that why I am like I am um and I I don't know. I can't think of anybody that um I've gone, I'm going to be like that or, you know, I, I definitely had to unlearn some stuff when I went from mm-hmm. being a developer, team leader kind of person, you know, walking around with a Gantt chart and making people f- finish stuff and, you know, like that whole badgering resources. That's my pet hate. That can be another topic for another day. Um, yeah. <laughs> calling humans resources drives me crazy. Um, but... You know, I had to shift from that kind of mindset to the the servant leader kind of mindset of like, mm, well, the team have put this plan together, and the team are gonna see how they go, and I'll I'll help them see that there's something going wrong if if it doesn't happen. But um, yeah, there was definitely a shift there. Hmm, um, interesting. Yeah, it's like one. I can
0: see I can see the reflection on your face, <laughs> and it's like, and it it's part of my story of you know authentic leadership, and that you know, there were definitely great women role models around me, but I wouldn't say growing up I had many role models that ha- that like worked in corporate, you know, kind of using quotation fingers, because mm. um, it it wasn't the sort of you know my mother was a teacher, my father was a chef, mm. like it was just not the same yeah. world, um, and. We are products of the environments we grow up in. And so for me, it was like an early male leader that he was a mentor in an incubator where I had a startup. And there was something about his authenticity and charisma and his balance of being a clear and effective communicator that was clearly like the smartest person in the room but how he never made you feel like he was the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. um, and the way he interwove like lightness and humor into what he did—like Joel Stevenson—still is like one of my favorite people on the planet. Like you know, in in that era of my life where I got to spend time with him was so formative for me, not only as a business per- person, but just a a young professional Mm. and it's only now that I can really think back towards how that was an inspiration Mm. for who, who I seek to be. But I do think the bigger, the organization I got into, the more it was like, I saw the game, the guys were playing and I tried to play that game too. And finding that like, this doesn't feel like I'm an integrity with who I want to be and coming to terms with that. So when, as you think about, right. As leaders, we've got to, especially in agile enterprises, we've got that obligation to be removing organizational impediments, creating that right environment where motivated people can self-manage towards the creating the solutions that we need for the future, mm-hmm. right? And that takes all different kinds of leadership. There is not one leadership play that makes that there. So I think our authenticity serves us. So how? Like, how do you even define what authenticity means to you, and why it's important for curating agile organizations? Uh,
1: authenticity for me is just being real, not um, not pretending to be something that you're not. You know, if you're if you're scared or anxious or whatever, just being owning it um, and. And sharing it and working through it with whoever is the right person at the right time, um, and I think it's you know as you were saying as you were talking about um, the teams we're trying to you know we want to we want to want to motivate the teams to deliver and to work better together and to communicate and collaborate and all of those sorts of things and um, there's you know i think an anti pattern of leadership is the of agile leadership i should say is that we we're saying these they're saying these things how they want their teams to work um but they're not the leaders themselves aren't, aren't changing their own behaviors or mm-hmm. the way that they're, they're still thinking in that you know that fixed kind of mindset of you know i know i said i want it by this date or whatever it is um but at the same next breath they'll go you need to communicate more as a team or, you know, what's your, you know, there's those sorts of things. It's, it's that, it's that shift in leadership that needs to happen, um, for, uh, teams to be able to, to deliver to, I'm not making any sense. Am I <laughs> I've completely lost? No, no, you're absolutely,
0: yeah, you're, you're
1: trying thought.
0: I am following you completely. Oh, awesome.
1: Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. That's good in the shift, I
0: think is important. There's, um, I actually think it's really important to the idea of authenticity, um, especially as we, as women are coming into our own in the type of leader we want to be. It, definitely. If you're working in an organization, that's moving into agile ways of working in a new style of leaderships, Um, going on here. And I'm on the risk of rambling because there's two (laughs) things that I want to share with you um, and I guess our our listeners, right? That I think are pertinent to this idea. So um, the first is really becoming a true agile leader. It is not like a horizontal development thing, right? When you think about horizontal development from an adult Developmental perspective, like acquisition of new skills. Mm. Really coming into your own as an agile leader is a vertical development journey, mm. right? It is the expansion of our consciousness, the way we make sense of the world around yeah. us, the way we slow down our thinking to understand how and why we make the decisions mm-hmm. that we do, being more intentional about how we show up, like all those things. And adult developmental stuff, like you don't do that when you go to a two day class over a weekend. No. They do. It, that is a like, four to six year Mm -hmm. journey Mm -hmm. of really doing hard work, whether sometimes consciously or unconsciously, right? depending on the environment and the people we're surrounded with, of really shifting. And that, but then all of a sudden one day you've kind of upgraded your internal operating system and these things you are cognitively aware of that you've learned about over the years, like these apps, they just come online and they start working Mm. And then like you're suddenly this different sort of leader or person at work that you hadn't been before. So I think there's the patience and the tolerance for this multi-year cycle of really coming into your own as an agile leader. And then the second piece of it is this idea that people dream you up to be something Right, And they've got a version of you in their head that they are expecting. And we are always having to fight the authenticity gap of like, what is it this this systemically the org dreams me up to be, or maybe my boss, or maybe my colleagues or my team members? And how do I fit those expectations versus what I want for myself? And then as we evolve as leaders and who we actually are changes, they are still dreaming you up to be the prior version of yourself. And that dissonance is so real because what is authentic for, for you and I, Renee, today is not going to be the authenticity of who we are as leaders and people at both at work and at home in another three years. Absolutely. Yep. So the agility in that in and of itself.
1: Absolutely. Um, and as you were talking, I was thinking that exact, almost exactly the same thing, There, there are Leaders who put that time and effort into developing their skills and practicing their skills, but they can get held back by how they used to be
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: so they might have put that six, seven years into their own development and you know getting coaching and training and all sorts of things to try and expand their themselves and they can still get held back by that person or place that knew them, you know, five, 10 years ago, you're this person, and this is how you still operate. And like, well, maybe not, probably not. They've put a lot of work into, to be, to, to be different. Um, everybody, everybody changes over time, as you said. So, um, yeah, those leaders that are putting in that, uh, you know, and I think a lot of the skills or characteristics of an authentic leader, uh, you know, they, they're quite hard to tick off on a list. You can't say, "Oh, look, tick. I'm empathetic. T- check. I'm done. I've nailed that one. I'll move on to the yeah, next was, one." Yeah,
0: empathetic. Yeah, empathetic is not authentic for everyone. I think about you know the t- the popular TV show, at least here in the US, Big Bang Theory.
1: Yeah,
0: right. Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> Being authentic is not authentic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very true, very true. Um, and you know, being learning how to trust and and being comfortable with what uh, things that go wrong, uh, letting the failures happen, and letting teams learn from the failures that happen. Not putting the fear of God in the teams if they fail, so the teams start hiding things or. You know, they start to saying yes to everything that you want you want done even though they know it's not possible to do and they just get themselves in this knot and you know, you just create a team that's nervous and all those things and that at the end of the day they're not delivering either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's lots of stuff that, that goes into um lots of soft skills kind of kind of might you know, just just stuff that you can do. Um you know, lots of, there's lots of, there's lots of different ways to learn these days. Um, there's yeah. lots of different ways to try things out, um, but it's a matter of just listening, or watching and listening to the feedback and, and reflecting on that and just going, okay, well, what do I, what do I do differently the next time? Or working with somebody to work through what will we do differently the next time? How can we act, how can we respond in a different way that will have a better outcome for me and my team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me, a hallmark of uh, authenticity is integrity,
1: Mm.
0: right? Because when you're truly being authentic, it is very easy to follow through and, you know, be the thing that you talk about being in the world and following through on the values that you say you hold and that there's lots of congruity in how you you think and show up and you don't you're not carrying around the sort of baggage of cognitive dissonance mm. around like feeling pressure to you know do the right thing necessarily you just can be that thing that you want to be um and sometimes i think it's easier to understand authenticity by talking about like what it's not mm, <laughs> like yeah. and we've all seen the things where it's like this person um is two different people, you yep. know, yep. depending, or, or seven different people, yep. depending on what situation yep. that you're really in. So, like, what are what are those moments where you've seen or ex- done yourself, like, wow, this was not authentic, and maybe the impact of it.
1: Yeah, um, I've, yeah, I, I've witnessed lots of those. or shall we call them anti-authentic <laughs> um, <laughs> behaviors and. Uh, It just, the the impact of those behaviours just widens that gap between the leader and their teams. Um, You know, some of the things where, like I said before, there's that fear of failing. Um, Everyone's too scared to fail, so they just hide it under, you know, Um, and there's the Control freaks like they need to know what's going on all of the time, even though they're leaders. You surely you've got other things you need to do, and just let the teams solve the problems because they're the ones closer to the problems. <laughs> they should be able to, you've hired them with the skills to solve these problems, so just trust them to solve those problems. Um, changing the goalposts all of the time. Um, one of the things that really, uh, I, I don't like when I see it in leaders is that um, manipulation uh, behave it, when they're and they do it with a smile on their face mm-hmm. so it's it, like a
0: we would call that in the U.S. Um, Midwestern nice or Minnesota nice oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> people that live in that region it's like you know, it, in fact I was talking about it the other day it sort of relates. like one of the biggest red flags for me is is a a scrum team where everybody gets along too well, mm. like there's a fake level of cohesion, and but maybe they're talking bad about each other in the bathroom or at lunch. Yeah. or like yeah. th- th- you're getting along too well. Like something's not right here. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, like I said, it just widens that gap because you you do you find your teams and they come to me as a coach to say mm, and that like they they just are frustrated or pissed off with their manager who's saying one thing and then expecting, saying one one thing to in front of people and using the right words and sounding like they know what's going on and then behind the scenes with their teams, they're micromanaging them, they're calling them resources, (laughs) they're, um, you know, doing all of those and putting the fear of, got in them for for make sure you deliver so these teams are working their butts off to Mm -hmm. try and deliver and they know it's mission impossible but no one's game enough to say no to their manager um so they just yeah they almost self-destruct the teams just they just get themselves in this thing and then as the coach you go in and they're like these are our problems i'm like okay well let's try and uh, i try and bridge that gap but um, yeah, there's there's some tough cookies out there to to crack yeah. when it comes to changing, the, you know, show, showing themselves in a mirror going, here's the problem. And this is why, like, oh, no, no, I didn't do that. They've misunderstood me or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Well, there's something about organizational culture and are you in an environment that allows for authenticity as well. Mm. Right. Because I think about a culture where, you know, um, watermelon metrics. Yes. In the traditional <laughs> sense of social reality, it's green on the outside, but once you look in, it's red. Yeah. And if we are in a culture where kind of like watermelon metrics are standard practice, that there's nothing authentic about that. Like, mm-hmm. so if we can't even be truthful and honest about the work we are doing, which mm-hmm. is like why you're paying me to be here, mm-hmm. how can I ever be in an environment where I can be authentic? Of like, I'm just not having a great day and showing up. In that sort of honest and real way, there's a there's an aspect of vulnerability that I realize that to me is key in authenticity mm. as well.
1: Yes, definitely, I agree. Yeah, yeah.
0: Then, then you know, a, a red flag that I think of is um, an unhealthy manifestation. May I, might I say of authenticity is you know as an excuse. Mm. Well, I mean, we all know I'm blah 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 and like I say it and I use it as an excuse to be a bully or be a micromanager or whatever that thing is that's mm. not really helpful mm. towards agility. Yep. But we all know that's who I am, you know, like yep. You. Yep. I I'm the jerk. Yeah. That's my yeah. brand. Yeah. But like that well, eh, I, I know whatever. that I know
1: this is something that I do all the time and I'm told I need to work on it, but I'm just going to do it anyway in this case. And yeah. then you hear that yeah. like once a day (laughs) like yes can you stop saying that please yeah 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 what is true for you
0: like somatically right let's just like slow down here for a minute like even if you just kind of close your eyes maybe I, I invite all of our listeners to do this but it's like think about a time when you knew you were your authentic self and work what does it feel like on the inside where does that show up in your body?
1: Um for me it's like a um goosebumpy kind of moment. Um it's always a um proud um like if I'm um, I'm not a mother, so but I imagine it's like you when you have that you know, proud parent kind of moment. Um I I get the goosebumps. And, Mm. and that's, that, that's how it shows up for me. And that's whether it's in a, an organization or a team, you know, as their coach or, um, as an individual, when I'm doing, you know, one-on-one coaching or even in the classroom when I'm, when I'm teaching or my Pilates clients, when I see them do things that they haven't been able to do before and they're finally, you know, we, we, we're getting there, we're building those foundations and, um now now things are happening um so there's always the you know goosebumps and i'll do a little you know happy dance clappy yay Mm -hmm. yay thing um but yeah that's that's where how it shows up for me what about what about you how does it show up for you
0: um It's, uh, you you know, uh, when you see those golden retrievers and they're wagging their tail so much, it's like wagging their body or like, you know, like my feet just like start this little bouncy thing. Like it's almost (laughs) this like overexcited five-year-old. Um, and I wear it like on the outside, like when it's happening, Mm. like when there's those moments where it's just like, this feels right. I'm jazzed. Like it's, And I noticed that it's in the moments where it's not just me being plugged in as fully authentic, but it's almost like the, you know, I'll, I'll use an or scored here, the third entity Mm. or the collectiveness of the group I'm in when that feels like it's like, it's like being plugged into an outlet and we are fully like online, fully powered, booted up, like just creating all the things. And, and like, I've got that goosebump sensation on my arms talking about it, um, and thinking about that, I'm like, wow, I don't know if it is a sustainable pace to feel like that all the time because there's a sense of overwhelm, not in a bad way, yeah. but a good way yeah. that happens in those moments. Yeah.
1: I think those good, those moments, are, it just reminds you of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. And yes, it's not sustainable long-term, but it's Uh, Well, it's something to happen all the time, but it is definitely that something to go, oh, yeah, this is why we are cool. This is why we're this team or this is why I love working with with this team or this is why I like teaching or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice reminder.
0: It is. Before we wrap up today, are there any other stories or things around authenticity you want to share, Renee?
1: No, no, I think, um, well, actually I could plug, uh, uh can I plug my podcast? <laughs> sure. Um, I did a podcast earlier this year with, or oh, late last year, early this year with a, a colleague of mine, um, and it's called the leaders playlist, and the idea, it's a little bit of um, we, we play with what we talk through authenticity actually. So we, we come up, we, each episode is a different um, characteristic or behaviour of an authentic leader and we link it to music as well, hence the playlist part of it. Um, so, yeah, it's called the leader's playlist and it might be a nice uh, add on to what we're talking about for so some context, I guess, of what we're talking about today. If others. Yeah. Want.
0: Let's be sure to get a link to that in the show notes. Yeah.
1: Cool. Sounds good. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Renee, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I can't let you go though, without asking you our standard to wrap up questions. Okay. Um, the first of which is intended to be, um, inspirational, uh, for, for, for listeners, right? Okay. So what are you, what are you geeking out on? Like, what are you doing for your own professional development and honing your skills?
1: Um, Geeking out on, um, I think for my own professional development, uh, I read books. Um, I mean, I know everybody reads books, but I didn't. Uh, a couple of years ago up to up up, up until a couple of years ago I didn't read books and then I discovered or I realized that I needed I was missing out on a lot so I uh, found myself a book coach um, someone who read a lot and someone who I thought because I always struggled with which books to read Mm -hmm. and the person I chose has similar taste in my like some of the books that he was reading I'm like oh yeah I, I could probably read that one um so yes book club we have book club every week um and uh we you know finish books we're reading a couple of chapters a week and and um it's making me read books so you know the books behind me I've actually read those books <laughs> <laughs> Um so yes I read uh I What are a couple of your favorites? Mm, a couple of my or ones that have been impactful favorites. Um I think
0: you have to turn around and look at the bookshelf I do
1: yeah um I really hang on yeah I really liked um humocracy Mm -hmm. um someone uh I talk I I went to someone recommended that one and I really liked that one mainly because of how of the stories that were in it, there were a lot of repeated stories that you read in a lot of books, but there were also some good ones. And um, how organisations could work if um, people were allowed to be people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I really liked. I really liked my Brené books as well, Brené yeah. Brown. Um, I liked Dare to Lead, but I really loved. Um, what's the? What's the rising I'm trying to find. What's the other one? Oh, Daring Greatly. Mm. I think I've lent it to someone. I need to create a yeah. library book system, you know, like the old school cards yeah, in like, my library book. Because <laughs> I, I lend them out to people and then I forget who I've lent them to. And, and then it's like, where's yeah. that book? And I'm like, oh, I think I lent yeah. it to someone, but I can't remember who or yeah. when.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll put one that you maybe uh, bring up with your book coach and see if it falls into your wheelhouse. Love is just damn good business.
1: Oh, yeah. It's I've one of
0: the newer ones one. from Steve Farber.
1: Yep, yep.
0: I love that one. Yep.
1: Um The book we're reading at the moment is Training from the Back of the Room mm. um, by Sharon Bowman because I'm doing a training course on how to – currently doing – so professional development, I'm currently doing a training course on how to do – on training from the back of the room in the online version. Mm-hmm. So they've converted the the exercises in the book to um, online versions of those exercises. Yeah. So. Um, that's been excellent. I've thoroughly enjoyed that training mainly because the techniques that we're being taught in how to design classes and how to get learning cemented in students' brains uh, is actually happening for me as well as a a student on the course. I'm like, oh, my God, I remember that because I drew a picture of a shoe that didn't look like a shoe. Um, (laughs) Anyway. Um I, I I can
0: recommend that class as well. I took it last year. All right, yeah. And I was like, I kind of thought like, oh, I'm too good for this. Like I've been training and mm, doing training mm, stuff for like all these years. Mm. But it was so wonderful not only to reconnect with some fundamentals, but really just like of course, like yeah. adult developmental concepts and all these things that they do a great job of packaging wisdom in that course. Yeah, they
1: do. Yeah. I that, that was the same as you. I'm like, oh, this is I'm not gonna I'm like Oh, duh. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um,
0: and that is an aspect, Renee, of authentic leadership. Mm. Right? Admitting those oh duh <laughs> moments. Because yep. sometimes we just just because we know better doesn't mean we do better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I find fault in that Maya Angelo quote. Yeah. Um, and and admitting that in those moments is authentic leadership. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah.
1: Um, the other stuff I do, like I, I, I try and do a a decent training course, like a professional development training course, uh, once a year at least. Um, and so, you know, last year I did a coaching organizational coaching one and, and hopefully I'll do another coaching flavored just to keep everything sort of, you know, keep, keep, learning new and different ways of doing the same, you know, coaching is a massive umbrella training is um, learning is a massive umbrella. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much. And the only other thing really for me from a professional development is just learning from other people, creating those connections. Um, you know, even connecting with you, having this conversation with you, um, the podcast that we recorded having those conversations with the guests that we had learned so much from different people. Wow. And, um, yeah, I think it maybe it's something that's been missing because of COVID and, and not networking or socializing, socializing or whatever as much, but, uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a massive part in there of just keeping connected with people and, um, seeking out people that you're not connected with, but maybe you should be because you can yeah. learn something different from that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Renee, for sharing that. That's like one of the more robust answers I've gotten to that question and, in, uh, in, in a while. And I love the thoughtfulness you bring to that. It's clear that you actually do your own work. Mm because there was the, like oh in this part and that part and this part so so thank you for that no worries no worries yeah any f- final wisdom parting thoughts mm.
1: i think uh, f- uh, f- you know following our theme i think um, final wisdom would be to just look after yourself as well mm. um we've we've spoken a little bit about those anti-patterns for authentic leaders and often though they, they are people who are struggling in their own way whether it's overworked or um you know expectations unrealistic expectations or they can't say no or um they're scared themselves, they're out of depth themselves and um, I think everybody, I feel like this is something that everybody learnt in the first six months or so of COVID of finding that, realising some of the things that matter in life and switching that work-life balance to a life-work balance Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's been forgotten or definitely unwound in the last two years, 18 months of COVID as people have gone back to normal life, as things have started to go back to, you know, open um, all of that sort of stuff. It's uh, people have just reverted back to the, those behaviours that we used to think was normal before COVID existed. So um, I think it is there's that part to really... Just look, everyone to look after themselves, have that time. Remember, think about what you learnt about yourself and what you needed for your own well being and try and get back to that or get some sort of flavor of that, whether it's taking five minutes to sit and out in the sun or if it's ever sunny, um, or, you know, walk out to your mailbox and get some mail or whatever it is just to have that that break um and and not you know forget those lessons that we learned in the early stages of COVID.
0: yeah there's the thing in that is like if we are not connected to ourselves and caring for ourselves we don't know what our own authenticity is
1: Mm, absolutely it's sort of
0: like a ground condition for authenticity i love that you brought that
1: yeah definitely is
0: Great. Renee, thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it. I hope the listeners have enjoyed this episode um, because I've definitely enjoyed connecting with you today.
1: Beautiful. Thanks, Leslie.
0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Women in Agile podcast. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and scrum.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. And as always, you can go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations.